Um, okay, <laughs> let's pause here. I feel like that's going to be cut anyways and put into like that little clip that he always does at the beginning. <laughs> it's going to be like, I have a tattoo page on my Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. My name is Amanda Natalie, or Amanda Decker. I'm here with a bunch of ladies from the East Coast for our first official OG women's panel. Uh, Kim, why don't you start us off and introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name is Kim Wilkie. Um, I am from the Baltimore area of the East Coast, and I'm probably notably known for captaining um, the Precision group of men and women. Great. How long have you been playing? I have been playing officially since 2005. Oh, wow. Yang, go ahead. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Yang Ku, and I play out of DC. Um, I guess my last team that I played with um, that you guys might know is a team that I uh, formed with Joe um, from Boston. I reached out to her, and I was like, hey, uh, do you want to play on my team this season? She's like, oh, I'm actually making a team. And I was like, oh how many people do you have? And she was like, four. I was like, oh, I have three. Do you want to try joining teams? So we're like, okay, we're going to see how many more Boston people she could get and how many more DC people I could get so we could have more teams. Um, but we ended up both coming just about, just a little short. So we were like, okay, let's just join teams. Um, so that was fun. Um, I've been playing the very first time I started was uh, in 2010, actually. I was a... Um, Groupon that I saw to learn to join a dodgeball league, um, and so I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! Let me let me join." And you know, I um, invited other people to join on my Facebook, and I got one other coworker to join. So we started this uh, played as free agents on this team together, and it was really good. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot more competitive then, even though it was newer. I think there was more people playing before they outgrew dodgeball. I don't know, but yeah. Awesome, thank you. I've been playing 10 years, thanks. <laughs> All right, my name is Emily Hotz. I have played with a very long list of teams, but most recently women's team was Royale and most recent co-ed team was Night Shift. Um, I have been playing since 2012, so Although I feel like I've been playing a long time, I feel like a little bit of a latecomer <laughs> against these original uh, dodgeball players over here. Awesome, thanks. And last but not least, Kate. Hey, what's up guys? I'm Kate Karens. I also play with Royale. I've been playing since 2009. My, I started with uh, Davis and Badgers and Pink Team. They were all kind of a, started at the same time, even though Davis is the one that endured the longest, uh, and also play with Night Shift. Awesome, all right. Um, and not sure how this will go, but Meg Fricker was also hopefully going to be a part of this panel. She's been along, around for um, just as long as most of us, but obviously can't necessarily hop on a Zoom. So she answered some of these questions. Um, so if there's a point at which it seems like it makes sense to throw her ideas into this, um, I'll just be passing those along for her. So obviously, uh, Yang already went into this a little bit, but would love to hear the story of how some of you got into dodgeball. 
when it happened, maybe what started you and thinking you wanted to play. So Kate, why don't you start us off? You said you started playing in 2009. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've told this story thousands of times, but it's a good one. Um, I was waitressing at the Texas Roadhouse in Everett and um, right out of college, I graduated in 2009, moved home with my parents. And, and uh, so four people came and sat at one of my tables at the last table of the night and they ended up inviting me to join their dodgeball team. And I had never heard of adults playing dodgeball, but it sounded awesome. And I was excited to make new friends. Um, and so I have been playing with them every week for the last, wow, 10, 11 years now. Um, and uh, that's, that's what kind of got me into dodgeball. In terms of like the competitive scene, it was um, I think 2011 when we first started talking about, um, you might, you have the, the dates there, Amanda, and can correct me, <laughs> but when we first saw that, wow, National Dodgeball League, that's cool. We could go to Vegas and play dodgeball with like other people from around the country. And so I spearheaded the team and got everyone shirts. I rented gym space for us to practice at. And um, I even like made people little maps of like who's staying in which room in the hotel that I booked for everybody. Um, so that was a ton of fun, except for the tournament, which wasn't fun. I'm sure there's going to be a whole big spiel on uh, the transition from NDL to elite. But I, uh, I like went toe to toe with, Ed Prentice and said, this is a terrible tournament. <laughs> I'm not bringing my group back here. Um, people ended up like, we had so much fun just having a friend trip that we did go back. But then uh, Mark Acom cornered me in the parking lot on our way to, um, while we were going for team lunch at In-N-Out Burger and said, I'm starting a new thing. You guys should all join. And it was an easy yes for uh, the Boston contingency to follow uh, and join Elite. Wow, sounds exciting and interesting. And I'm, like you said, I'm sure we'll uh, get to hear a little bit more about that transition in a little bit. Um, Emily, I feel like your story might be a little similar in terms of the start since it started in the same rec league, but would love to hear about how you got into it. Sure, um, so I ended up going starting a graduate school program to get my doctorate in psychology in 2012, in the fall of 2012. And um, I actually had moved from Connecticut up to Boston for this program. And I really only knew two people, one from high school, one from college. And I just wanted to meet more people and get involved, um, get out in the community, do some sports. I was always kind of a sports kind of person. And um, in, in my search for how to get involved, I had found a trampoline dodgeball um, league with Social Boston Sports. And I was like, wait a second, adults play dodgeball? And what, it's on trampolines? This is like crazy awesome, too good to be true. And people go to the bar after, and it was a blast. It was so much fun. Um, for my first league, uh, I got asked by someone to play 
foam, um, not on a trampoline. Um, and from there, I think almost immediately is when I met um, Kate and Amanda, who are both on this uh, audio recording as well. And pretty quickly, I think my first or second season, my team won the championship and Kate sat, sat down next to me and said, hey, want to travel the country and play dodgeball? And I was like, yeah, and that <laughs> is where the story started. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think it took her a few more years to ask me to travel than you, but <laughs> glad we're both here today. Uh, thanks so much, Emma Yang. How about you? I know you gave us a little in, in, uh, insight. You started in 2010, but when did you, when was that rec league? Did you make the jump right away to competitive dodgeball? So I actually joined dodgeball um, when I saw a Groupon on for, um, Forever Young Sports, it was called. So it was a local little, I guess, league in D.C., sports league in D.C., but it was it was tiny. I think there was about eight teams that was playing, and a couple had started it having moved to D.C. and not having found dodgeball. So they this was this little league that was formed. Um, I posted on my Facebook page, hey, who wants to play dodgeball with me? And I had one of my coworkers join. Um, so he actually ended up playing with me probably for four years after that. People retire. I think he retired after that. It's been a while. But um, yeah, that was uh, 2010. Um, and then from there, I went um, and I wanted like a little bit more competitive dodgeball. So I was looking around um, and I was, um, I found a uh, a living social, <laughs> I know this is really, really bad. Living social, um, posting a uh, district dodgeball tournament um, in DC. And I was like, ooh, I wanna totally try that. So that was 2012, that was my first like mock tournament. And let me just say, this was like very inexperienced people, people that had just seen it and wanted to like throw balls at each other. Um, so I joined that and actually I met, um, about six people there that I had not played dodgeball with before. Um, and I can't remember like who won, but I just remember it being a lot of fun and everyone after kind of keeping in touch. So I would say 2013 is the very first time I played like an elite East Coast um, tournament. Um, and, you know, we had found out that this was gonna happen super exciting. I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, I joined after the whole NDL thing, so I didn't really know what NDL was yeah. or like, you know, that you actually had to pay a lot of money to play in tournaments um, because I, a lot of the ones I had played before were like dodging for diabetes or some sort of charity dodgeball where it was, you know, a group of people that came together. Half the team knew what they were doing. Half the team were friends that like just came to come play. But Elite was the first tournament where I went where everyone knew how to play dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was affordable. It was nice. Like, you knew everyone. Everyone came up to try and get to know who you were. Um, so it was, it was a really great experience. And I was like, oh, this is great. Um, and then shortly after that, um, found out about um, a audition to go for a women's dodgeball U.S. team playing for the U.S. Uh, in New Zealand. So that was 2013. So I made a video in my little uh, sports <laughs> sports leagues, you know, trying to be fancy and 
they, not everyone was very good. So then we, we like post made some shots and things where it was like, oh, look, she, she can catch. Oh, she can kind of dodge. Oh, she can kind of throw and not get, get caught. <laughs> so made like a mock video um, tryout. So that was a lot of fun. One of my other DC girls also went there. So that was my first real big travel gig for dodgeball. Um, and for me, like, I mean, I'm a good catcher, but really I can't dodge. <laughs> I've had too many knee surgeries to like try jumping or like pivoting too quickly. So I'm kind of like, I'm going to go out catching or uh, that's it. Like I'm not going out dodging. <laughs> it's just not me. But um, I think after the, the Queenstown tournament, I really loved meeting people from around the world that played dodgeball and had this passion for it. And there was really no like type of person that played dodgeball. Yeah, it it wasn't a certain group. I met everyone from lawyers to doctors to, you know, welfare counselors to like teachers. It was fantastic, um, and I really just loved the experience of everyone bonding over this one shared sport. Where we always get this reaction of when we tell our friends about it, like you played dodgeball. You mean that thing you played in gym? And then going through, oh my god, there's actual strategy, and Absolutely. can we make this an Olympic sport? But yeah. yeah, that's that's how I started, and I pretty much just play as much as I can. I don't discriminate. I don't have anything against anyone. I just want to play dodgeball. So I'm like, oh, you want me? Okay, I'll play. <laughs> Ask I, feel like, I'll play. I feel like, especially after this time coming, whenever quarantine ends and we're able to play again, that's going to be everyone's mindset. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Kim, can you... It seems like you've played the longest, started in 2005. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I didn't realize I'm so old, apparently. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I started playing, and similar to what you guys said, I feel like everyone's heard this story before, but um, in 2005, my brother and his friends had seen the movie and decided that the YMCA in our town had a dodgeball league, and they decided, oh my god, guys, let's join the league and go dodge some balls. Hardy har har. Well... They got there and didn't realize when they signed up that it was co-ed. So me and one of my brother's girlfriends were both there watching and were planning on making fun of them, but they needed us to play because we happened to have athletic clothes on and we were working out and stuff. So that night I started playing and then I never left. Like after that point, my brother kept me on the team. Um, in 2007, we did our first NDL because the YMCA league did a thing where if you won the league, like you qualified for NDL essentially. <laughs> oh my gosh, let me tell you, going from basic foam, I think it was like eight inch foam, YMCA, not very many athletic people in that league to playing rubber with stingers in Vegas was probably like the biggest reality check we have ever had in our lives. But um, it was fun. Uh, we also did like some practices, got some gym time so we could like learn how to use the rubber balls and all that. And it was a good time. Um, I remember my mom, for some odd reason, set it up with Ed Prentice to have me sing the national anthem at that <laughs> tournament. So that was fun, I guess. Um, there were a lot of angry Canadians because uh, I did not know the Canadian national anthem at the time. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so that was fun. And then um, after that, we just kind of kept playing the YMCA league for a long time. And then in like 2008, I started a charity dodgeball tournament for breast cancer and um, kind of 
kept it going in the town for like five or six years, I want to say. Oh, wow. Um, so that's awesome. Love charity tournaments um, for a number of reasons. So you said your first NDL was 2007. Kate and I did not go for the first time until 2012. Was that your first and last one? Did you not have? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. That was the only one we uh, traveled out to. Yeah, weren't impressed, decided not to go back I mean, for it. We were very impressed, but um, like my family wasn't really into the whole, hey, let's go spend money to play sports unless it's yeah. like in our little podunk hometown. And yeah, not a big traveling family, unfortunately. Got it. Well, that's awesome that you got to experience it so early. I know that um, Meg had a very similar story of starting in the YMCA and um, traveling out for one of the last few NDL seasons. Um, I can't really speak to the first NDL that we went to. I don't know if you can speak to it more, Kate, because I only stayed for the, it was back when women's division was like Friday night, the whole thing, round robin and um, finals and I had to fly out very early the next morning or maybe it was on a red eye for my best friend's wedding the next day. So I only got to experience women's that first year that we went, but Kate, maybe you can speak a little bit more to your um, memories of your first ever NDL tournament. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny hearing like Kim saying, Oh, we were impressed. And I was just like, I had come from, you know, SBS leagues being impressive and then going to NDL league NDL tournament I everything was running two hours behind and they it you know like if you won something you just had like had to go over to like their little table and collect your medals and and that was it and it just felt like giant ego stroking session for for Ed and and there was you know like the the national the teams that were representing each of these, you know, cities or whatever, they were, you know, I, I, it all just seemed so phony to me the whole time, except for the people. And yeah. I think that that's always the thing that, that kept people coming back is, is it's fun to, to like travel with your friends and to like play a sport that you love. And it's fun to see people that you only get to see in at these uh, tournaments. And, um, so that's, that's what, you know, made it worth it. But I, I remember just because I, I had organized that whole group and, and I forget how many people were there year one, but year two, it was, it was like 30 people. So we were putting, I, I remember making the, the teams. I, it was a jury of one who was on which team and for which ball type and um just trying to make like the best combinations possible and I just put all that work into it and then thought like how come they aren't putting work into this and <laughs> making this great but I remember coming back um from from that tournament and we also got our handed to us I don't know if you're allowed to swear on podcast but um, <laughs> but I I liked the things that I liked I I immediately like brought to SBS because by that point I had been hired for um by SBS they were like who's this psychopath who <laughs> keeps telling us how to run dodgeball um and they were eventually just like hey Kate all of these changes you want to make um, 
yes, but you have to work for the company. Um, and so I was, I was hired as a contractor. My first like check from SBS was like for a thousand dollars. And most of that was just because they needed to pay me back because I built these barricades in my living room. Amanda, you, you were there. Hot yeah. You were there too, right? And I wasn't there building the barricades, but I think I used the barricades. Probably. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think you won our first ever like rubber league. Pretty much anytime I travel for a tournament, I bring back like now we play um, WDBF style dodgeball and we are dodgeball rules for SBS, our elite rules. Um, so, you know, I always have like this this chip on my shoulder of the Boston teams need to be preparing for these big <laughs> national tournaments. So I'm not going to do them any disservice by making them use different rule sets. They're going to practice what, what they need to be prepared for um, in their regular league play. And so we use the ball types that we play in elite and, and now um, USA dodgeball, which I should have mentioned earlier since I'm on the executive board for, and I'm very, very proud of all of the work that we do. Um, and the executive board and everybody that's involved with USA Dodgeball. Um, but yeah, I think like for me, it's always, I, as soon as I played, it was, this is a, this is a legit sport. It's like civil war, you know, one side faced off of as against another, like on a battlefield, like there's nothing to hide behind and you have to, you have, you know, only your, your quick quick wits about you and you're going up down left right or you're catching or you're you know it's it's so much fun and nobody can understands it until they play it um so I just have always just had wanted the sport to be more legit than just a crappy Ben Stiller movie and and like that grade school sport that has like bullying attached to it. It's so much more than that. And I, I just want the world to, to see it for the way I see it. Yeah, no, it sounds like you're making some great changes, especially to, I mean, speaking of like significant organizations, I think, well, I'll, there's a lot of animosity from people towards the NDL. I don't think maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if elite would be where it was. I don't know if we would have ever found elite if we hadn't started in NDL. Um, we would have never found NDL if we hadn't started in SBS. So I think a lot of these smaller rec leagues are really important in getting people into the dodgeball scene. So I think it's awesome that you're doing what you can to make that transition. If people want to make it easier, um, if not kind of trying to bring a uniformity to the sport, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I just, so kind of, I guess, moving into like significant tournaments, I, I just can remember, like I said, that first tournament I went to, it was like Friday night. It felt very rushed. But there was a certain, there was like a decent number of women's teams there. And then I remember going back year two, which was 2013. I think it was NDL's official last season. Um, and like you said, we had brought like 30 teams or 30 people. Um, and we won the women's dodgeball tournament. We were national champs, but I think there was only something like four teams because I think at that point, most of the people were pretty fed up. I think the year before there had been people from all over the world. There were still people from Australia coming and Canada and all that. And I think that last year that we were there, it was pretty much the West Coast teams. I think Rise and Doom were there because we got the Rise Award. Um, I think Team Awesome was there, but like it was pretty much 
it was pretty obvious that the NDL was ending. Um, so I think that was for me kind of one of the more significant tournaments in the fact of like, I could tell something was changing in the dodgeball community in the dodgeball world. Um, and thank goodness Mark took over and started elite so we could build on the, you know, the progress that had, I guess, I don't know if I'd call it progress, but the progress that had been started. Um, so any, besides, if there's any other significant organizations that people want to mention, I know a lot of you already mentioned the, you know, rec leagues that started this whole love of the sport. Um, but maybe we can start to think about some like significant tournaments. I know Yang, you've traveled a lot, so I'm sure you've got lots, but any tournaments that really stand out to you as maybe being a bright spot in your um, dodgeball career or kind of changing the game for you? Um, I would say it was Sin City for me. Um, my very first Sin City tournaments, I had played a lot of locally run tournaments and everything, but um, Sin City was just like immaculately run. Um, and I had met um, Mason, Jake Mason, in 2013 when we were at the uh, Queenstown tournament. And um, I, he had said that he runs, you know, we have dodgeball um, and, you know, was telling me about it, but like, I didn't understand. And he invited me to go to his uh, Sin City tournament, which I went to um, a few months later. And it was just so well run. There was like timers. Like there was scores, there was brackets. I was just like, there was announcements, there was actual refs. It was amazing. So um, I that I just remember that being like my little like, oh wow, this could be like completely professional sort of thing. And I was like, I totally want to do more. Um, and then that following month, um, I did Elite Throwdown. So I think. I have a feeling that before Elite was official, official Elite, where they had the three rounds and the final one, there were small tournaments beforehand for people before it got completely like organized and like as beautifully run as it is now until yeah. you know, COVID ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, okay. um, Ooh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, accord so like I went through my Facebook and like looked at all the pictures to make my timeline. And the last, according to my pictures, official NDL tournament was August of 2013. The Rochester mm -hmm. Throwdown was February of 2014. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that counted as elite East round one, because I couldn't find any photos from round one, but round two for um, elite was in May of that year. So it was definitely a quick transition from like NDL is ending to elite is beginning, but I definitely feel like Steve uh, Decker, my husband mentioned that he had gone to an elite tournament that was exceptionally run before they ever came up with like the series. So I think you're right in that it had already started happening. Yeah, and um, cause I feel like, so I have pictures from like September 18th, like 2013. This is this is my Facebook history. My, my memory is terrible guys. And I have it as elite, elite East Coast. And I know I was playing with, I think it was Capital Punishment. I was invited um, to join the team and it was like in a gym and it was so like one of the guys had jumped and landed wrong and ended up like hurting something and going to the emergency room. I think, I don't know if you were there for that, Amanda. Um, I feel like for some reason you might've been, but it was one of the, so we had um, a few teams. There's like Dance Dance Revolution um party I think a dance party, party. 
Party Vietnam. Something? Yeah, Dance Party Vietnam. Dance Party Vietnam. Um, and then uh, uh, so many good teams and like older players, like in their 30s. Sort of, and not like the 20s. Hey, that's not old. <laughs> hey, look, I'm older than all of you. So I'm like, okay. But, um, but I just remember like they were so passionate and I was like, holy shit, you can actually like really get injured as well. But it's such an athletic sport. Like if people just watch like some of the moves and jumps and flips people do, I think it's just amazing. And I was just like, wow, this is like both a really good spectator as well as like workout and good for like just teams. And that's yeah. when I was just like, okay, dodgeball's a thing. It's the <laughs> yeah. yeah. In terms of tournaments, I definitely agree with you, Yang, that Sin City is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's run amazing. I wasn't there until I think 2019. So like very recently did I start traveling over to the West Coast um, to go to tournaments, but I the energy that comes from that tournament is just, it's undeniable. Like from everyone there, everyone is so positive and uplifted and just like, it's just so much fun and more fun than a lot of other tournaments. So yeah, that's definitely one that stands out to me too. Um, I know you mentioned the elite throwdown. I feel like that also, um, Yang is super significant. Kim, did you make it to the elite throwdown? I feel like I remember Jeremy being there maybe, but Jeremy was there. I think I was on a team. That was probably before mine and Jeremy's time. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I just, um, 2014, February 2014. Yeah. I just, I remember it because it was the first experience with a tournament out, a big tournament outside of NDL. Um, the West coast teams came out, which, you know, coming from like rec leagues, we had the best, you know, eight or nine people from our rec (laughs) league and that team on, on, a rec night, any rec night would have destroyed everyone. And then you walk into this court, into this gym feeling like, oh my God, we're so good. And then to play, you know, amongst the dooms and the rise and just to get demolished and be like, kind of like you were saying earlier, walking back. I mean, granted, I guess maybe it didn't feel like that at that point because we had experienced that years before in NDL. But I don't know. It just, it definitely, it sticks out in my mind as a big tournament. I also remember just being scared because um the that was our first experience I think with pinch I don't know if pinch had been a part of NDL Mm -hmm. um and I remember hopping on the court with Davis because one of the guys had to go do something run to the bathroom or whatever and playing against I think what was task force unicorn at the time who was oh my god oh my gosh yeah and I just remember the game started and within you know, you see those videos of like, this game's over in 30 seconds. And this game might've actually been the fastest because like 10 seconds later, all the guys on my side were out. And it was just like all the task force guys still in with, I think all the balls. So I don't know if they had like gotten a couple bounce backs, made a couple catches, but I was just like, nope. And just like walked off the court. Like I'm out, I'm not going to try to win this game. But <laughs> not going to do it. So significant in my mind for a couple of reasons. Um, but yeah. I mean, Yeah. Wow, they're they are I feel like the best pinch team around. They're so freaking scary. Like I won't unless my fingers are like taped, taped, I'm not trying for a catch. Oh okay. yeah, no. I was like, no guys, thanks. I've had a good run, but sometimes it's know. not worth that bruise. Yeah. Um, D- does did Matt D play on Task Force Unicorn? I feel like I can see him in like I feel like I can see him in the uniform that they used to wear, but maybe not. I 
don't remember. I know he played for, like, Adrenaline Rush, but I think he played for Task Force before. But he just sticks out in my mind. I don't know if this is part of later in the program, Amanda, but (laughs) Mad D sticks out in my mind as being one of those people I can remember from NDL days that was just, like, insanely, like, crazy good at dodgeball. Just flying through the air and bending back like Neo in the Matrix. And yeah. he was him and Nate when he was like throwing pinch balls, uh, not pinch balls, uh, the stingers. I remember like watching Nate Crater warm up <laughs> and the stinger balls hitting against like those wooden barricades and it making such a loud noise in a gym that had people in it. So it shouldn't have had so much echo. And those, those are like the two people that stick out in my mind as being like just an, on the, on a next level. Yeah, definitely. Um, Kim, any tournaments stick out in your head as. So I joined the tournament game a lot later. Um, Cause like I said, my family just wasn't really into like traveling for sports and stuff. Just wasn't their jam. So like we did the, breast cancer dodge for cure tournament that my family ran from 2008 to 2013 and that's where I started noticing um some well-known teams starting to come like every year team awesome would show up and you know I started realizing like hey like I guess this is like a bigger thing because I was talking to Chris Zielinski one year at that tournament and he was telling me he's like yeah, we go to like dodging diabetes and the Chick-fil-A tournaments and he starts naming all these tournaments. I was like, oh my gosh, there's more. So like for a long time, I was trying to like figure out how I could get involved, but I didn't know anyone in the dodgeball community yet that I could like reach out to and be like, hey, put me on your team. So my first real elite tournament wasn't until 2015. Because oh, wow. um, I was playing um, the DC Ad- Admo League actually with some people and the night before the 2015 I think it was Baltimore elite round um, one of the players on my team was like Kim we need someone can you come play tomorrow it's in Savage Mill Maryland I was like oh that's like down the street from me sure yeah why not so I filled in and I believe I looked at pictures it looked like Tim Wells was on that team with me and I don't know who any of the other people were (laughs) I've seen them since um So yeah, that was like my first real elite tournament and it opened up my eyes and made me realize like, wow, this is super fun. I want to do this more. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get to do it again until 2016 um, because my significant other at the time was very anti-sports and very anti-dodgeball. So well, yeah, it wasn't someone much better. Yeah. And thankfully in 2016, my next elite tournament was with um, Team Death Force, which ended up being, let's see, Jeremy, Zarin, Mark, Glenn, and Kenny and David Cox. Oh, wow. What a team. That was the funnest tournament ever. Oh, my gosh. I was so protected. And then the other girl was just a coworker of mine who was <laughs> athletic and played baseball. And we, we did pretty well. That's awesome. Was that at Nationals or just a... That was just, uh, that was the Baltimore round again, actually. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. The good old days of dodgeball tournaments in your hometown. Amanda, so I 
I don't I don't know if you saw in the chat, but did you guys play any of you guys play in the Fall River tournament? I guess it would be Amanda and Hots in particular. Um, um ring a bell. Was I, that the one where the Patriots players showed up? Yes. 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 I did not. That one was one where it had like lots of sponsor activations. You know, like it seemed like a lot of companies hopped on to like give out free stuff and and i remember trying uh coconut water for the very first time but yeah they had patriots players there and and i remember like we were a pretty good team at that point just like with people that were willing to travel outside of like the sbs group um but it was bamf that that won and so that was like the very first time i saw mike caterino play Hots, you probably saw him play sooner if you got your start at uh, Sky Zone, but that he could also really dodge a ball. <laughs> I remember seeing the the Team Awesome guys too. I don't know the the date on this one and how it related to Fall River, but um, the there was a tournament at BU at at Boston University um, where the prize was a a it was the Massachusetts state championship. So the prize looked like the state of Massachusetts and it was like wooden and team awesome came to that. And we lost to them in like open, but we beat them in co-ed because I don't think they were um, traveling very deep with women yet. Meg Fricker was probably still in a cradle, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, that, that was a tournament put on by Dizzy Llamas. And I don't even know if they're, still around these days but that was another significant early on tournament that sticks out in my mind for being awesome also just have to in you guys mentioned sin city as being like really well run i 100 percent agree and i think the women's classic was yes. i mean it was run a similar way I, th- I know jake is is involved with women's classic as well and so, uh, but I've never been more sore and tired in my life after that. Um, Kelly just, Mark likes to, to say that he, he wants everyone to be crying like the next day and wants everyone to, to, to be near death. But like Kelly, Kelly managed it. I was so, so much pain after the women's classic, just day, day two for that was in day three, I can't even believe it. That's why yeah. they say Kelly tried to kill us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like another one that's pretty significant, and it's not even one I played in, has to be the first um, UDC that we saw, where what was um, oh my gosh, what is their name? The team that Mike Shooters was on, yeah, because I remember watching watching it. Um, might have been on my computer because I don't think it was broadcasted, but just being like, oh my gosh, these guys are from Boston. We need to reach out to them. We need to see if we can practice with them and play with them. Um, and then I think the next year we had Mikey and Caterino on our co-ed team for the season. So yeah, I think, well, it wasn't necessarily one we played in. I always think of that one as being pretty, you know, game altering and the fact that like they would have come into a lead anyways. They put their, na- their name on the map but to be able to practice with them and become friends with them and whatnot was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Also, have you guys ever traveled for the Detroit cup? When yes. it was running? Oh yeah. I did that one one year. <laughs> that one was one where um, 
I, I thought that the tournament organizers did a good job with like production value. So they had that TV screen that had the bracket on it and somebody behind the laptop updating it live so that you could see the bracket um, in non-paper form, which just felt really cool. And they also had a program um, for each team, you know, kind of like a captain's packet where you actually got something. And that was also kind of novel at the time too, where you saw your schedule for the day, but like it was, it looked like a brochure almost. And I was like, that's fancy. It came back and ran a Halloween tournament for SBS and stole that uh, TV idea and used it for that. But it's just way too much work to do that for every tournament. Um, but yeah, Detroit Cup was also pretty good time. So thinking about how women's dodgeball has evolved, especially on the East Coast, um, I think a really significant tournament is the first ever women's 4v4 tournament that we had in July of 2017. Um, for, I think, three years, the 2014, 2015, and 2016 season, most of us, if we played in an elite tournament that was one of the East Coast tournaments, would travel, we would watch the men play all morning and open, or we would arrive late and later that day because there was only a co-ed tournament for us to play and there was no specific women's tournament. Um, and then in 2017, Mark um, helped us to form the first ever women's 4v4 tournament. It was pretty small from my recollection. I think there was only five teams, um, but I think it was really the impetus to help the women's division grow on the East because I think the next year, 2018, um, we had, we were able to field four or five, six, six people teams. Um, and then it's just continued to grow from there. So would love to hear your guys' thoughts on kind of how, especially from your own perspectives, how the dodgeball scene has evolved. Yeah, I definitely feel like around that time of the 4v4 was a huge shift for women's elite dodgeball, particularly outside of the West Coast. So anytime before that, we were really traveling, like you said, to play co-ed. <clears throat> and even if we wanted to play at nationals on a women's team, it would either be like a ragtag team mm -hmm. of people who've never played together before or trying to pull people, subs, last minute, people from other coasts, people we didn't know. So although, yes, maybe we, we got to play in nationals, it also wasn't necessarily a cohesive team. And after that 4v4 tournament, I mean, it sort of actually aligned with personally when I was fin finishing graduate school. So I feel like I had like one foot in dodgeball, one foot in graduate school. And at that time, not only was women's growing, but I also was able to put two feet into dodgeball. And I feel like committed myself even more and felt a little bit more of like a fire. I was more excited about it. And from there, especially Boston people, you know, we started KO and then we pulled in some of our friends from there. Um, and then well, we can get into how other teams evolved later, but um, I feel like it was also um, over the few years has been a big shift in how the men of the elite dodgeball scene have viewed the women, even in terms of refereeing. So I recall a very specific time, and I'll stop after the short story, but a very specific time of when I was refereeing, uh, an, I think it was an open game. This was probably... This was actually probably in 2017, but um, 
you know, I volunteered to ref. I got up there and one of the men on the team said, wait a second, can we get a real ref for this? And I, you know, obviously was a little annoyed and kicked off by this and walked away just knowing I'm not going to get into it. But I really think that since then, especially in the last year or two, I have felt so much more respect from the men. They want to help us grow. They want to help us organize tournaments, women only. So um, I feel like that's been really awesome. But I don't know what y'all think. Yeah, just I don't want to have made Meg do this all for not. Um, so she mentioned not, not necessarily about the respect that she mentioned for a while. She only played co-ed with team awesome because there just wasn't a woman's team until nationals came around. Um, so she said, I love this. She said she really had no female dodgeball idols because we only ever saw each other on the court when we were sharing it with guys. So she became her own dodgeball idol. I love that so much. Um, but she, she's like, the reason I threw so hard was because if I wanted to hang with the guys, that's what I had to do. Um, and so I wasn't always a big catcher and things like that until I realized how big strategy was as part of the game. So yeah, I think a lot of us kind of realized after so many years of traveling to like support the guys and play co-ed in the afternoon. I think that tournament was a real game changer for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely was um, because up until that point uh, in 2017 is when we started Baltimore Whiplash and um, I told the guys when we started it, I was like, listen, like I'll captain co-ed and this other guy can captain the open, but I want to play open. Like, I'm not going to sit and watch you guys every time. And it was a really big deal um, because they thought about, like, ditching me, I think. I, I don't know this for sure, but, like, some of the guys were not happy with me playing open. But it worked out. And then I think it was that second round when the women's tournament came into play. So it didn't last long. But I think since then it's definitely gotten better in terms of the guys respecting us. So I just have a quick story on that too. That parking lot, uh, gas station parking lot conversation that I had with Mark as we were waited, on our way to In-N-Out, I remember saying to him, like, it wasn't just a, oh yeah, hook, line, and sinker, whatever you got, we're going to be there. I remember saying like, are you going to value women? Like, is it, is, will women have like, just as equal amount of opportunity as men because it was all about open 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 and I thought dodgeball had a big opportunity for being a a completely like equal sport because we were writing the book on it like it wasn't a big olympic sport yet it was still in its infancy in that regard and so I thought like why can't why can't dodgeball just forever be known as a co-ed sport and it didn't turn into like, I mean, you, we all know it was, it open continued to be like the main event. Um, and so that's kind of why uh, I went from being the captain of Davis and all of like the Boston teams to Armando being the captain of Davis um, because it was an open team and there weren't any women on Davis. So I still have all fond memories and love everybody mentioned in this story, but <laughs> it, it is still like, I don't know, kind of a pain spot for me, I guess. Yeah. I sometimes wonder 
what would have happened to the women's division if we had hopped in full force without having, I mean, I think the reason the four before worked as well as it did was because a lot of us had already been traveling for the co-ed tournaments. Um, and I know that when we tried to do both co-ed for the first time and women's in the North, the last year of elite, it wasn't super successful just because the numbers weren't there. So I totally get what you're saying, Kate. I'm so happy that we're finally to the point where when dodgeball is back, it's going to be three v three or three and three. It's going to be this equal sharing of the court. The team is equal men and women. Um, but I, I, I've thought about this before and I sometimes wonder would the East have been able to build and have the success it's had so far had we tried to jump in full force with both women's and co-ed at the same time in the very beginning. And maybe it would have and maybe it would be much bigger than it is right now or would it have floundered and, you know, been just open and co-ed for a much longer time? The question you should be asking is if open didn't exist, if, it, if dodgeball was three and three, you need to have three guys, three women, and, and it was just part of the, the game to you need to have strong women uh, in your ranks, what would dodgeball look like now? True. Very mm -hmm. true. <sighs> Who knows? Probably much, many more women playing right now. And I think we'll, we can kind of get to this um, in our crowdsource questions later because Hunter has asked for ways to grow that female participation in college dodgeball, but I think it can help for anything. But yeah, I think you're right. I definitely think if, you know, it had, if there had been more focus put on women's earlier on that the, the number of women playing in all the regions could be much larger than it is right now. But you live and learn and you make changes. So at least the changes are happening now. It might have taken some years, but USA Dodgeball seems to be on the right track. So that's a positive. Um, so now that we've kind of mentioned how women's has evolved on the East Coast, started with a 4v4, we've had a couple of years of, um, I think the first year it was like four or five teams of six, then five or six teams of six, six plus, but being able to field a full team. Um, and that has kind of fed into this idea of powerhouse or power teams on the East. Um, so would love to hear your guys's insight into, into that. Any teams that stand out to you um, on the East? I mean, we're, we're <laughs> home to, to team awesome. Are we talking just women or just powerhouse in general in the East? Um, I think since most of this has been focused, the, the OG women's panel and the evolution of women's dodgeball, I would say maybe focus <laughs> the women. Okay, okay, I see you. <laughs> well, I'll just finish that thought with Team Awesome has been like the most consistently high-ranked team mm -hmm. forever, yeah. like very early on in, in dodgeball lore um but but for women um I personally am of the opinion that uh everyone all the teams are good um and it, it's kind of like we we have a habit of cannibalizing ourselves and and trying to make uh whatever team can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with with west, west coast teams um but we all, I, I personally just love the women's division for the East Coast because everyone is friends with everyone. And somehow we can still, like, even if we're cannibalizing other teams and trying to, like, pick off uh, certain players to make one team better than another, like, 
it's still just every, you can't you can't discount any team everyone is going to be like take it a three maybe um and it we all just want to give each other a hug afterwards instead of wanting to fight and so i i really love the vibe and the energy that um east coast women's has for sure um i think you make a really good point i know that as Roya was getting ready to think about this season, every time a team would like release their lineup for the season, we'd be like, Oh, <laughs> like, all right. So now like, yeah, the, every team on the East, like you said, just it's, you never know what you're going to get. You like every, every woman on the East has talent, whether it's throwing or catching or dodging or all three or a team has great chemistry it's just like you literally you don't know who's going to come out of the game on top and I think that's and like you said but at the end of the day it doesn't matter who comes out on top because we are such a great little like close-knit family that it doesn't matter who's on the top and who's on the bottom we all just want to go hang out and drink and hug and love each other yeah <laughs> maybe I, it's just me no I completely agree <laughs> I I think that the East Coast women have a lot of respect and love for each other. And in between games, we're dancing or we're sitting and we're chatting and we're catching up. And it's a genuine interest in the other people. And I, I don't want to say too much about other coasts, but it's definitely not necessarily a vibe you get on all of the coasts. I'll just put it that way. Um, I, and maybe I'm biased. There's only one other coast. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. All right. Well, not to give anything away. I said it vaguely. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, and I'm not trying to bash, let's just put it out there, the West Coast in any way, but I think that that our friendliness and openness and just um, wanting to connect with other people is not something that I always experience with them. And, and I'm not saying that in a mean way, but maybe if anyone's listening to this, they can just um, kind of hear it and maybe change a little bit from it. I think that would be really nice because we're all really bad women playing dodgeball like that's awesome like let's just like be cool with each other um but maybe i'll speak for a minute about royale just if we're talking about teams and the evolutions of teams because i think most recently um after what was it 2018 when anarchy was a women's team as well um mm -hmm. so once we knew that anarchy was not going to be a team again we thought to ourselves hey there's a bunch of boston players on anarchy what if we could literally practice with a majority of our team weekly like how awesome would that be and so for the most part we we kept in some key players like jenny and and fricker and then we just picked some other people in in Boston and with the addition of Michelle Radley and kind of all came together. And I think being able to get that team dynamic and the team throws down and strategy and watching film together, um, it has been really key for us. And I think, especially as a team, we've really evolved over time. So that's been, been really nice. 
Yeah. I want to speak to two of your points. One, I totally get what you were saying earlier about the, the West Coast. I don't think that it's necessarily that they're unfriendly or rude, but I definitely think there's a different vibe when you're out there. Um, I know I listened to the OG men's panel, the East panel that had Steve and and Alfred and Giorgio on it. And I, I'm pretty sure they mentioned something similar. Just like when you come to the East Coast, whether you're from any other region or it's your first time, you like walk in and you feel like you're walking into a family. Like everyone, if they don't know you, they're introducing themselves. If they do know you, they're giving you a big hug, like you said. So I think, I definitely think the East Coast is a special place to play dodgeball on um, because of that. And I also thinking about like the development of this powerhouse team, I think it's so hard because in our three years of having a true women's uh, division on the West or on the East Coast, the teams have never been consistent. Like mm-hmm. you just mentioned, it started out for us as Davis and then it evolved to KO and then it evolved to Royale. And even this year with Royale, the team looks different. So it's just like, because it's still new and because people are retiring or injured or there's the team chemistry didn't work the way you wanted it to. I feel like it's hard to have powerhouse teams when the team is just constantly evolving. That's kind of where my head is at when I think about that. But maybe you guys, some of you guys feel differently. Um, so I'm just going to do the whole, so I do play a lot on the West coast. Um, when I'm traveling, I'll sneak into leagues and stuff. And I think a lot of it has to do with size. Like, the East Coast, like, if we find fellow, like, dodgeballers and, like, girls that will play 8.5, you're like, hi! And you just want to be friends, so they'll play with you and, like, do league together and, like, go to the tournament. So, I think for us, it's, like, when we find each other, there's so few and few, like, far between. Like, I'll talk dodgeball for hours if I, you know, found someone interested enough to actually talk to me that long about it. So, it's just, I think we want to make everyone so happy and like feel welcome so that they stay because we value and want our players because there's so few of us not that the west coast doesn't value their players but there's so many more players that play that it you kind of have to pick and choose who you are close to right um because you like versus us for you know there'll be like 50 women maybe 100 if we're lucky when we go to the East Coast, there's like 300 women. You can't like be close, like truly close or care to 300 women just to, you know, be honest about it. You just can't. So you pick and choose a few that are close. So, um, and I think for them, it's like, we have so many people to choose from. We're going to talk to like our friends that we haven't seen in months. So like, that was one of my disappointments for, um, you know, the, elite being you know shut down because of COVID was because not 50% like wanting to play dodgeball but also 50% like seeing the women you know seeing hot hey Hey. (laughs) um even out for a little while and so I was like super excited to see you and I was like okay cool and so half of it was just really being disappointed not to be able to say hi to people and catch up so and I you know sometimes you know the west coast could be like that too they haven't seen each other in a while so, you know, I'd rather talk to you who I know than someone else. Um, really so I don't think point. that, yeah, I don't think that they're cold. I think that they're a little bit more reserved is how I would put it. A little bit more reserved. And, um, but yeah, um, but women's teams. Wow, guys, we're doing great. We <laughs> went from like, no, honestly, <laughs> um, we went for 
like wanting to um you know play like women's tournament national tournament, and then going and like getting our butt kicked because there's so many great west coast women and then building teams that they're like scared of before they were like oh it's an east coast team have you ever seen that no it doesn't matter going to oh <laughs> you know and um it's just you guys have like you know i hear stories of people doing like burpees and push-ups and curls so that they can like you know, they can get their throw in harder. And here I'm just like, I'm just trying to get enough money to travel. <laughs> and people are like practicing. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, all right, well, first I'm going to start and do some jumping jacks <laughs> so I can have like a bit more movement. But it's really encouraging because um, for me, it's, it's really nice to have this family of strong like women you know, that's not just talking about boys, but we're actually talking about sports and like, you know, encouraging each other rather than, um, you know, wanting to see each other fail. So I think it's just, you know, women empowering women is great. Um, and I will also agree with what was said earlier. Our guys are very supportive of us. Like they will go and get us food when we have a women's tournament. Like it's not us serving them. They also serve us and it's a family. They want to see you do well. So, you know, they'll go get you a Gatorade or water, you know, um, they'll stand, they'll come and watch, they'll set up nets, you know, shag for us. Like, it's great to see and have support from your whole family. Definitely. Kim, I feel like we haven't heard from you in a while. I just want to make sure that <laughs> if you have something to share, we're not overshadowing you. Oh, no, I was pretty much agreeing with what everyone else said. Um, yeah, I didn't really have anything to add. Um, I've only played on the East Coast, and I played the first women's tournament we did in the North for Elite, which was, what, 2018? I helped organize that. Um, I think Kate helped me as well with that one. And uh, we did 4v4, and everyone there was super nice as well. Um, I could tell the women up there were just super excited to finally get to play because um, they don't even have co-ed up there so most of them were just coming to like watch their boyfriends husbands uh, friends um, some women like obviously like Paige Peterson was playing open and pinch and a lot of them were just very grateful to finally have the opportunity to step on the court and play with no sting balls so that was really neat to see yeah definitely I have a tattoo of Paige Peterson on my ass right now Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Kate. <laughs> but I did. Uh, I love Paige. I did say Very that I would. So it's, it's, um, it's in the works. Oh, wow. What do I have to do to get a tattoo on <laughs> <laughs> Win a gold medal for the USA. All right. Okay, Kate. Kate. Hello. Hello. I think we're going to have to figure out another way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, so now we're going to transition into some of these questions that came from um, dodgeballers from around the country, specifically most of them from Frankie. We'll get to him a little bit more in a second. Um, so Markel asked your favorite ball type. I would definitely have to go with foam. I would say cloth. Um, mine's a hard, uh, yeah, it's 8.5 and no sting, because I started with 8.5, but no sting doesn't leave bruises. Uh, I would say 8.5. Uh, for me, it's no sting. Interesting. Um, 
best changes in the East women's scene from the aforementioned Frankie? Um, I think we already hit on a lot of them, but I would just say the transition to having a true women's division. I was going to say the same thing, having a women's division. Uh, I third that. It's just very nice to have something that um, we can all play in. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of how I could be different in like very few seconds and I can't. So yeah, just having a division. <laughs> um, maybe I misunderstand the question. So I'm tempted to just say this, but if we're talking best changes that we've already experienced, then yes, it's having the women's division. But I think we all need to roll up our sleeves and recruit some more women out in the world. Um, not just the good ones in our leagues, but we need to recruit people to form teams somehow for our division so we can have more people than the men's. Yeah, pre-COVID, I know Kate Kate and uh, Amanda and I were all talking about um, even trying to have all women's leagues or, or practices or whatever. So I know that that definitely will be in our future when we're all allowed to go outside again. I'm gonna third that right there because I will say that the women's team I do like because we can all when I said all play is all the women can play on equal grounds so it's not as intimidating for a girl new girl to join and be like hey you should try out dodgeball try this tournament it's all women's yeah. so you know and you can talk to people after and make friends lifelong friends Sorry, I blew up the rapid fire aspect of this. That's right. That that our <laughs> listeners didn't even know. I didn't mention it was rapid fire. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frankie again asked your favorite players to get out, get out in a game. Um, obviously, mine would be Frankie, except I usually share the court with him. Um, I also love getting out Matt Levine, although it doesn't happen very often. Oh, um, so mine would be Jeremy, 100%. If we're playing against each other, it gives me great joy to get him out. Um, huh. I guess Tasha, because she's oh, so good. Yes. And it's always a battle. You're either going to catch me or I'm going to, you know, somehow get you out. But normally you're going to catch me. But it's just Good fine. call. Good call. Forgot about her. Um, I This happens much more in practice than actual game time but Mikey McGee when I get him out it just feels like I want to do a victory lap <laughs> <laughs> dang Emily <laughs> right before I was like wow is no one gonna say mine uh yeah mine's also Mikey because it's such a huge game changer um but my women's choice is uh Amanda Natalie she's my favorite person to get out <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine why. <laughs> uh, I think I'm honored. We'll find out later after this show's over. Um, all right. <laughs> Sergio wanted to know, because I think Frankie had commented so many times on that post, our favorite Frankie memory. Um, and honestly, I don't know if I have a favorite Frankie Dodgeball memory, because even though we're teammates, we like to give each other a lot of um, so I think most of my favorite Frankie memories are like after tournaments when I, we would go back to his and Christine's house and just like play games and hang out. Um, so I can't think of any dodgeball Frankie memories, but basically any time that Frankie's talking with me, he's just like the nicest person and he always makes me feel like he's interested in what I have to say. So he's just, not the nicest person. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Never mind. <laughs> But no, seriously, like Frankie's just always been so kind and nice to me. So anytime I interact with him is my favorite memory. 
Um, for me, it's kind of like, you know, watching Frankie play, you know, people when they don't know who he is, I'm like, oh, you don't know. He's got suction cups on him. <laughs> All the balls stick. Like, you know, so like I'll be watching and he's just like, you know, nonchalant. Like, is he paying attention? Is he not paying attention? Like, I've never seen him in a squat, I don't think. But, you know, he's there. And suddenly, like, someone will be like, oh, let me just get, get this guy out, you know. And then Frankie's like, I'm sorry was I supposed to drop that where's that supposed to get me out it's just hilarious and then he guys going like they're stunned and then they like drop their head and like walk off the court nice. that's, that's yeah, kind of, like, his, his deadpan my my memory is definitely connected to his amazing catching skills but definitely some of my favorite memories are playing side by side with him on night shift at nationals during co-ed and i think it was 2018 um in 8.5 we were almost matched in the amount of catches that we were getting and i was like yeah i'm on it but we were just like pumping each other up like yeah you got another one yeah you got another one so um yeah it, he's just so great to play with for me um i just have this memory uh i don't know if 2018 was was that when we were in minnesota yeah um yeah but i just i just have this like clear memory of being in like the middle of the game and i was like handing a ball to him you know like go ahead frankie you go ahead and throw and he looked at me like what are you doing kate like you keep it and throw and i was just like wow i don't know if a guy's ever done that before where it was like treated treated me like like a like an equal in such a sincere genuine like mid-game way that it was just like go ahead kate like you're just as much as a part of this team like why are you handing it to me and i also just i can't mention frankie without mentioning um well a lot of things but the catching is just like whenever frankie's in you just know everyone knows that sure people that don't know him they think they might you know this kid this kid isn't going to catch it but everyone that's on his team knows frankie is the the person that you want left in with the, with the game on the line to try to catch the ball um and also we share many many nerdums and uh love of books together and he's my favorite person to get a book recommendation off of so i guess i had three favorite frankie memories sorry about that <laughs> it just pains my heart to hear people talk so nicely of him but it's fine um ooh. <laughs> i'm kidding no i really do love him we just really have a love-hate relationship it's fine um okay this one probably is not going to be rapid fire anymore the next few aren't but that's okay um so Frankie wants to know your favorite dodgeball achievement so far and your next goal. Um, I don't really have a favorite dodgeball achievement so far. I think being able to have like 30 of our closest dodgeball friends at our wedding was pretty awesome because I think it just like, it's not an achievement, but like just the community we've had, we've got grown and that like so many of them have, you know, been such a big part of our life. Um, haven't won any like national tournaments besides like the you know ndl year two or whatever <laughs> um but yeah and i think my next goal is just to stay healthy enough to keep playing for as long as i can so like would it be great to win a national tournament or whatever yeah am i going to be disappointed if i never do no 
because I get to see for great, like we already kind of mentioned, get to see people you love and haven't seen in a while, get to catch up with your favorite people. So I think just keep playing as long as I can. Um, I would say, I guess mine, I, I'd like to say um, playing on the U.S. dodgeball team that played over in Madison Square Garden in, when was that, 2018? Um, that was really cool. Not a lot of people can say they've done something like that. Will definitely be something I remember for the rest of my life. But I've said it twice already tonight, which I don't talk about it often, but I would say my biggest achievement was the Dodge for Cure dodgeball tournament since we raised like over $50,000 for wow. breast cancer. So I'm going to mark that down as my crowning achievement in dodgeball. That's awesome. And then my next goal, uh, probably retirement, honestly. <laughs> Stay healthy and retire. Yeah. Um, so my favorite achievement, that's a big one. Um, honestly, I would say like the, the people that I've been able to recruit to join dodgeball as well as like meeting the people of dodgeball. So, um, sharing my love of dodgeball with other people and then also like getting people to join and then finding out that they love it just as much. So just introducing dodgeball, I feel like that's, because I'm, you know, not as competitive anymore. Um, like, well, I love to win, but my body is just like, oh, you know, they're half your size. You could be their mommy. You know, so it's like, for me, I'm just like, okay. Um, I just want to grow it and just like, you know, get people to love it. So for me, I would say um, I would love to be able to like run a league, but I... I feel like it would make it not fun. So recruiting and help recruiting, I think, is one of the things that um, I like to do and enjoy to do. That's that's my little achievement. It's recruitment. Talk to Kate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kate knows all about that. Um, am I up? Okay. So favorite dodgeball achievement so far, I would say by far making the USA um, women's team in 2018. Um, yeah, I was, um, an alternate and, um, but getting to take part in that on the, on the stage and play against other countries and, um, getting that recognition and knowing that, um, it was all of the, um, different, uh, I forget what recruiters from the different coasts who were sort of like agreeing to put me on the team, right. Um, the selection committee, I, I think that was a really, amazing achievement. I feel good about that. And uh, I'm just going to put a little thing in there for getting second in a showdown. I think that was 2017 maybe against Brittany Mazaro. Uh-huh. You know, that was really awesome. Um, next goal, I would say for sure, coming back to dodgeball beast mode and giving West Coast a complete run for their money at the next national tournament. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah um so for i have okay i am very proud that i have been able to turn dodgeball into a career um and that i get paid to put you know run dodgeball for my friends we also do like 16 other sports and now i'm writing trivia questions all day long every day but it's i'm super blessed for that um my, I am proud that I came, I got the belt, uh, for showdown. And I, um, even though 
I didn't get the belt for, off of uh, NDL, off of Ed Prentice. Mark got a belt for me, and I, I was the first ever winner of uh, the People's Champion Award, and that was uh, a very proud moment for me. And I'm also just proud that um, that I'm I have the opportunity that I do to be on the the executive board for USA Dodgeball and to make influence like influence things that way like the most significant one so far has been um being a scout for team usa and it you know you might think that being a scout it it's still like the players that's that's doing everything but like if we didn't come in gold both years for the team that i was choosing i would definitely feel a sense of responsibility um and so i'm i'm really proud of the our team placing gold both years that I was um you know one of the the few voices at the table deciding which women are going to represent us so yeah those ones awesome um so getting into a little bit more serious questions um any movement in the women's east scene to host some host more off-season tournaments like Abdul and Kyle do um so I know I forget who mentioned this or who asked this question, so I apologize. I know that, you know, Hats had already mentioned it earlier. Kate Hats and I had talked about, you know, seeing what we could do to get more women involved down the East Coast, especially in the Boston area. Um, and I know that after helping to run the last one with Abdul and um, Frankie, we had talked about hosting more women's tournaments, whether they were draft based or not um, in the future. So I definitely think especially once this is over and people are so ready for dodgeball, there will definitely be more off-season tournaments um, because I think it's what we need to grow the sport. I think all of the women who played in the last one can attest to how much fun it was. So I definitely think there will be more tournaments in the future, similar to um, uh, the ones Abdul and Kyle have been running. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Snaps. Um, so I guess the next one I think is really important and I think anything, any tips that we can give Hunter, he would much appreciate, but he's just wondering, um, ways to grow female participation in college dodgeball. So, so go for it. So I actually played NDL for two years, um, or not NDL, sorry, NCDA. <laughs> I was reading the word NDL on my screen. Um, so I played for University of Maryland, uh, 2011 to 2013. And the biggest thing I noticed when I walked into the gym the first day, because the club had already been established, and I had found out from this random guy in our apartment who was going to dodgeball practice that was even a thing, and I walked in, and immediately all the guys looked at me, and they're just like, oh, God, a girl. Like, oh, we got to deal with this. And um, my little funny story from that was just before then, I had had my first ever Chipotle burrito. Oh, God. And... <laughs> I could tell right away that all these guys were going to be gunning for me. Guy wound up on the other side, threw the ball right at my gut. I catch it and then immediately run to a trash can and throw up the, the uh, Chipotle burrito. Oh, no. <laughs> Greatest moment of my life, probably. Because that earned a lot of respect for me and college dodgeball. However, my um, reason of the question is I would say the biggest thing is don't chase the girls away. I don't know if it's changed in NCDA since I played, but I mean, the guy's goal that first practice I went to was we don't want her coming back. We want this to be a boys club. 
we don't want to deal with girls on the team. Like it just made things more difficult going to tournaments. It seemed like for them. Cause then they had to find a place for me to change. Like, I don't know why that was a big deal to them, but they made a big deal out of it. Um, and then I think the other thing that would have been cool was if they would have worked with the girls more um, during my time at Maryland, one or two other girls came to practice and they did the exact same thing with them. They just tried to chase them away immediately and it didn't really help. Um, in fact, when it came down to tournaments, the only reason I even got to go to tournaments because, you know, they didn't think I was as good as them because I was a girl, even though I could catch better than some of them. Um, I immediately signed up to be the first aid person. And you always had to have two people go with you to every tournament who knew first aid. So it automatically got me a ticket every single tournament. And it worked. I mean. Well, I think they need other ways to get female participation besides first aid, but I'm well, no, I, I'm not saying that's like the answer. No. Yeah. I was saying like in my experience, if it wouldn't have been for that, like, right. I Which is not okay. Practice. And yeah. yeah. But I mean, my biggest thing would be that they should have worked with me more or worked with like the other females that came who wanted to try and play instead yeah. of chasing them away and, hey, let's throw as hard as we can at their head and get them to never come back again, which was the general practice every time. Yeah, never having played NCDA, what you speak of sounds a lot like the story I told earlier of like being alone on this side by myself against task force. So I feel like if that was my first experience with, with NCDA dodgeball, I wouldn't come back. Right. Um, so I feel like if they're really looking to grow female participation, maybe not necessarily starting with pinch, maybe not necessarily starting with 8.5. Um, I know that even within SBS, it's a social league, it's a rec league, but even to bring people in, in, into the sport and into the league, we used to host what we called first Fridays, um, which were the first Friday of every month, we would try a new sport out for anyone who wanted to play, but they didn't have to commit to a whole league. So maybe that's something that college campuses could try where it's like, hey, have you ever thought about dodgeball? Come play this first Friday of the month. And maybe instead of starting with 8.5 pinch, maybe you introduce foam, maybe you introduce no sting. Um, so I just think if you're, if you want to grow female participation, it's gotta be one, you've got to want the, the women there, like you said, Kim, but two, you also don't want to be blasting them in the face with 8.5 pinches day one, if you want them to come back. So new ball types, like the ease of coming and being able to come when you like once in trying it out, not having to commit to a full season, those might be things to try. Yeah, or, or even yeah. doing like a co-rec league too. Like in college, I did, you know, club lacrosse. I did pickup ice hockey games. I did co-rec broom ball. But like, I didn't really want to commit to anything. But like, I was totally down to do some sort of co-rec league. So I think if they were maybe to go to other co-rec leagues and kind of like marketing, promoting it almost of like, hey, here's a pamphlet. We've got like, like you said, like a, a Friday, you know, just throw around or another league that's starting up. I feel like, um, I think that's a great way to pull people in. Um, I think also um, when you have those um, events, you need to have a lot of women coming, dodgeballers coming to support you. Because um, I think if, even if it's run great and you only see like like one woman and like a bunch of guys playing, it's nice to have other women that are good 
that are playing and love it and have see the respect that they they get from the male players. So when those events happen, I think they need to bring in female dodgeball players as well, not just the events to try stuff out, but also like you see other women playing, you know, and it's still cool. Uh, I have two ideas to build off of those ones um, off of Yang's. Um, I think that women should, you know, right now we can be the, the first batch of women to start like the welcoming committee for these tournaments. So when we see a new person or even, you know, people that we've seen plenty of times over, let's make an effort to get to know everyone's name and to make sure we're saying hi to them and to, you know, have a conversation with, with these women that are coming. Um, so even if they, you know, get the floor mopped with them, they're still, they still get that bug of the social aspect. You know, a lot of people put 50, 50 on it's part, the sport, part, the people, and we can at least make sure we do a good job on the people side. Um, and cause we can't really say how well they're going to do it, the dodgeball side. And then I, I really think like there's some key sports where, where women are coming from and, and it's, it is other sports to like how hot said. And so if we just say like have an ad campaign, that's like, you know, you can't get all the way to the world cup if you're not already playing in like on a soccer team but you can get all the way to like a world championship if you start playing dodgeball right now. There's opportunity for you to represent your country in a big way, um, even if you've never played this sport before, because you have some skills from a different sport that you might be borrowing from. I played soccer keeper. I was a goalie. Uh, a lot of people that are really good at throwing played softball. I think we should be recruiting from the sports that translate well. Like for whatever reason, tennis seems to be a really, really good transition sport into dodgeball. So that's like Joanna, my girlfriend coaches women's water polo at BU and she recruits from swimmers because if you're going to be a good water polo player, you have to start by being a fantastic swimmer. So we should be recruiting from other sports. Um, because this is a lot more fun than whatever sport they're playing. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hunter, hopefully we gave you some tips and ideas. Feel free to reach out to us if you want some more ideas. All right. Um, we have two more questions here. Last kind of serious one, and then we'll end on a, on a light note. So Frankie wants to know what still needs to be worked on to make dodgeball better. Um, I feel like it's constantly improving and I really, I think it, we already mentioned it. I think the change to three and three for Colette has been huge. Um, I think the mindset of all of the, the men who are like, Oh, this is going to suck for us and blah, blah, blah. I think that's something that can be worked on. It was, I've already mentioned my feelings on it in an earlier podcast with Steve. So if you really want to know how I feel, you can go back and listen to that one. But um, I think we're already making a lot of strides towards making the dodgeball better making dodgeball better by making women a bigger part of the co-ed team, but there's always room for improvement there, I feel like. Uh, me? So I think just continuing to make it bigger and get more um, visibility 
um, is really the next step in making dodgeball better. Um, I've heard so many people say that like when ESPN does the Ocho stuff and broadcast dodgeball tournaments, um, everyone loves it. So I think the next big step to make it better is just to get more of that visibility going so we can get it, you know, not just one day a year on ESPN. Cornhole can be on ESPN. Why can't we be more often? Mm-hmm. Good point. So I'm going to actually um, add on to what you guys both said. Uh, I think that dodgeball, in order to get bigger, in order to get better, it also needs to start out better and bigger where there's more. So right now um, there are two leagues that I play for and one is significantly um better run than the other um and the one that's not running well used to run well but it's like it's become more of a cash cow than something that someone you know a couple loved and like wanted to grow by hand so i think in order to make it bigger maybe think about um opening a good like dodgeball league starting one in every city sort of um and making it so that you have good dodgeball experience so then you're growing a bigger wider range that you can get dodgeball players from does that make sense um i mean really hard to do in a lot of commitment because then you have to recruit people from every city you know but um i hear so many stories where people are like oh yeah i would totally play more but it's just really far away you know it's 45 minutes to get there and then you play for 30 minutes and then you know you drive back for 45 minutes. So you're, you know, traveling three times as much as you're actually playing. Um, but yeah, so making it, making it more accessible and then making good experiences accessible and good like techniques and stuff. And rather than just, you know, a bunch of people coming in wanting to just throw balls for fun. Yeah. Cause I remember it from gym class. Yeah, I definitely agree with it, what everyone said. Um, to add, I have two thoughts. Um, my first thought, and I, I know that the whole Elite USA Dodgeball is in transition, but I think for future years to get dates and locations of tournaments out as soon as possible um, so that everyone can mark them on their calendars and recruit other people and uh, basically, you know, plan the rest of their lives around it. I think that's going to help the dodgeball community, really, so we can make it to our the tournaments we want to go to. Um, and my second thought, and I hope this, the, the people with this mindset, I'm hoping, is becoming fewer and fewer, but I know there are still some people out there that just think, I'm going to stay in, even if I got hit until I'm called out. And I... I have no tolerance for that. I don't respect people who do that. If you get hit, if you got nicked by a ball, even if you're questioning, ask the ref, you know, did that hit me? I wasn't sure. Um, Cause I think unless we have that sportsmanlike conduct, um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I think we need that for progress to be made. 100%. Yeah. Kate, anything from you? Um. I, I mean, I guess I'm coming from the other side of it. Like, we we are trying to make dodgeball um, way better on, on a lot of different fronts. 
And I think that if we had the opportunity to this year, if COVID, you know, the apocalypse wasn't right now, um, <laughs> you guys would have been had your minds blown. Um, and it, you know, goes beyond just adding like an extra day and more opportunities for people to get scouted and try out for Team USA and um, just even like with that, like. I'm, I'm so proud of just having an amazing combine and scouting process built on of what, what was before. So I, I think that we have like our uh, irons in the fire with it. Um, and I think, so I guess all I could add is what, what, um, you know, Hots mentioned putting your integrity before the game and putting making sure that we are being good, um, good representatives of the sport that we want to grow and that we want to be better. Um, and it's not a game about cheating. It's a game about, you know, all the things we know it's about. Um, so making sure that we, when we're playing in our leagues our our like small co-ed rec leagues that we are leading by example with that. And so when we see like new talent come in and grow up through our small leagues, that they see us as representatives and they're like, all right, this, this person's really good at dodgeball. They travel for it. I need to be more like them. And one thing that, that stands out above all else is that they're really honest. And so do it, do it um, in every level that you play and any game you play of dodgeball, you should be honest. Definitely. Way to bringing that point up, Em. Didn't even think about that, but 100% needs mm -hmm. to be an improvement made across the dodgeball community. Yeah. All right. Ending on a lighter note from Frankie, of course, because he's given us like 90% of these questions. So he asked what it's like playing against your significant other. Um, honestly, I don't think Steve and I have ever played against each other in like a competitive tournament. He's always been on my side of the court, but when he in rec leagues when we play against each other it's a lot of fun um he gets me out more times than i get him out but he's always a good sport about it when i do get him out um i would say it's hard playing with your significant other though we don't we get into fights a lot more in other sports particularly flag football but um <laughs> not sure why but it's definitely like finding that balance of like i love you and i'm gonna ignore that you just did something that made me really mad um or we're gonna get into a fight on the side of the dodgeball court so it can definitely be frustrating but it's also great to share the court and a sport that you love um but yeah don't get to play against him very often unfortunately um so for competitive stuff jeremy and i almost never get to play together um so on the rare occasion, because he plays in the North, but on the rare occasion, we do get to play against each other in a competitive situation. I hate it because <laughs> most of you who have been hit by him knows that he doesn't hold back at all and will throw his hardest at you. And since he knows me so well, um, he knows where he can hit me that, you know, I'm not going to move my foot as quickly or, <laughs> you know, he knows where to aim to know that he'll get me out and I won't catch it or dodge it, which is awful and I hate it um so then when we do get to play together like in rec leagues 90% of the time I love it we have a good time we have good chemistry on the court and all that until I do something wrong and then I just feel awful because I know I disappointed him and he's like my dodgeball idol and like my role model 
So disappointing him really upsets me. Aww. And then, but we usually make up later, but it's all good. <laughs> but it's got its pluses and minuses, but I'd prefer to play with him for sure than against him. Yeah. So I've actually never had a significant other like playing dodgeball like competitively, but I kind of use dodgeball as a um, tester of how good of a boyfriend slash future uh, forever guy can you be. The better your dodgeball game, the more I would like to date you. <laughs> and if you're just terrible, then I just kind of look at you like, do I treat this like a dance where the effort, you know, what meant just as much as the the skill or do I just go oh my god you cannot throw a ball so um I I use it as a um a tryout for potential boyfriend (laughs) nice um yeah Colin and I met at dodgeball and I think playing together for so many years most of the time it was like like, okay, powerhouse couple, we're going to close out this game, feeling super strong, felt good together. But then there were definitely those other times where, you know, we'd be against each other and he'd get me out first. And after the game, be like, why did you go for me first? Like, why do you, he's like, you're a threat. You're a threat. I needed to get you out. And it's like, it just becomes a little bit more than it would if it was just a friend. It obviously, um, there's a little bit more weight to it or questioning or whatever, but, um, you know, Colin has since retired from dodgeball and um, I really miss him being there. It's really a different scene now that he's not traveling with us, going to the tournaments, practicing. Um, it used to be time we spent together and, and now it's spent apart and, and that's okay, but it, it just, it changes it a little bit. I, I love playing with him. It's, you know, it's been almost all of our relationships. So. Yeah. I feel like you and I have very similar experiences with that. Yeah. Um, so for me, I date women, um, and I, (laughs) and I have, um, introduced dodgeball to, um, a lot of my relationships that I've had. And I love seeing, uh, the people, the women that I date, like get into dodgeball and, but because I have some experience on them, I tend to be better at that better at it than them because they're they're new to it um and so for me it's more like when I see when I watch them you know make a catch or do something great uh it's then really exciting it's it's like yeah let's go and I can be a super fan when I'm playing against like Joanna when I'm playing against Joanna I will definitely never ever go for her she just walked into the room (laughs) (laughs) um and if she will if she gets me out then I'm 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 happy for her and you know I I don't think I take losing or getting hit out by a girlfriend too hard um but yeah there hasn't been any like super competitive game that I've played against a significant other is 2020 gonna change that Ooh. It might. It may. Maybe 2021 because yeah. apocalypse, you know. For real. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you all for taking time out of your busy schedules. <laughs> no, but for real, it's been so much fun seeing you all and chatting with you um, and really reminis- reminiscing on how we all 
came to this crazy spot where we're able to hop on a Zoom call and chat about our dodgeball experiences over the years. So thank you for hopping on with me. It was so good seeing you all. Um, hopefully we can chat again soon in person on a dodgeball court. Um, but yeah, thanks guys. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks. It was, it was so fun talking and reminiscing with you ladies. Yeah, I miss you guys. Miss yeah. You all right. So that was our first official women's OG East Coast Dodgeball podcast. After hearing the East men's take on the same topic, I was excited to be able to do the same for some of the women who have been around for just as long. Thank you again to Kim, Yang, Emily, and Kate for sharing your stories and how we can hopefully keep improving the sport, especially for women. Special thanks to the always wonderful Meg Fricker for sharing her notes ahead of time so she could still be a part of it even from afar. And a huge thank you to Steve Damon for giving me the opportunity to host one of these podcasts. I had a blast and can't wait to do it again. And thank you for listening. everyone and welcome to another episode of the dodgeball podcast my name is amanda natalie or amanda decker um, but steve still refers to me as amanda natalie since i haven't officially changed my name yet anyways um i am from the boston area play with royale out here and have been playing dodgeball from 2010 and we're gonna start over already <laughs> I, I don't like this but steve still refers to me but i was reading it and so i just did it sorry okay <sighs> Steve Damon, you're the worst. All right. Three, two, one.